Hello again, my name is Morgan Roberts. I'm one of the retired pastors whose privilege and delight it is to worship at Church of the Palms and to enjoy the friendship and pastoral leadership of Pastor Steve McConnell. Uh, let's center down and prepare ourselves for today's meditation by listening to some lovely music.
Our lesson today is from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Listen now for the word of God. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you and as you enter you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the cold, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was approaching the path down from Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these stones were silent, these stones would shout out. This is the word of the Lord. My favorite... Uh, Bible commentator and scholar uh, James Barclay has an interesting take on this passage. He says there's nothing miraculous about it. It is not as though the Holy Spirit came to this family that owned the donkey and, and told them that, you know, there's someone going to need your donkey and that kind of thing. Uh, Barclay says it was all prearranged. Uh, Jesus had set this up deliberately, and the password that the family would know when his disciple arrived was, the Lord needs it. And Jesus wanted it this way because Jesus was now a marked man. His end was drawing near. He didn't want to enter Jerusalem on some back street. He deliberately wanted to make a statement. He was not coming as a king of war, as would be the case if he rode on a horse. But he was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah that the king, the real king, would come riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so it was that he made that entrance. And uh, we call it Palm Sunday. At any rate, as I read this passage, I got thinking about the family that lent the donkey to, for Jesus' purpose that day. And I thought about them years later. I mean, at the time, it was a great honor for them to be some small part of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. But what about uh, 20 years later? They were older. By this time, Jesus had died, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and the first disciples were coming together to form the early church. By then, the little donkey had served its purposes, 
and if it had not died, was out to pasture. But wouldn't it be a delightful memory, a secret memory to know and always remember that you were some little part of the greatest story in the world. Now, the reason I got thinking this way is that for about 20 years in my life, I actually owned a donkey. This happened uh, between the years 1973 and 85, and after that, when I was the pastor at the First Presbyterian Church of Birmingham, Michigan. In those days, and before my time, we owned a year-round camp and conference center, Camp Skyline. Uh, it was placed on 180 acres of what otherwise would have been farmland. There was a lodge, a dining hall, a swimming pool, a tennis court, all the stuff you'd need for a week or a weekend conference. And the two managers who were there reported to me. Well, rather than having them drive into town for the weekly staff meeting, I would go out on Sunday afternoon and uh, I'd do whatever I had to do with them. We'd confer. And after that, my youngest daughter, Holly, and I uh, would get on two horses and we'd gallop off over the, uh, over the hills and through the meadows of Camp Skyline. Well, it worked that way until the second horse, Malabar, was injured and had to be put down. Both of these horses had come to us uh, as gifts, and uh, our days of riding together were over. And I don't know whether it was the, the veterinarian who helped us or whether I figured it out myself. I figured it wasn't, would not be good for uh, Ginger uh, to, be, to be alone. Going through a country newspaper, I discovered that there was a donkey on sale for $75. And so, drove over there with the manager and got this donkey for $75. He didn't have a name, they just called him Donk. <laughs> and he couldn't have that name any longer, so I, uh, I named him Hosanna. And Hosanna became one of the famous donkeys in Michigan maybe one of the famous in the whole country because every year he was petted by 12,000 people. The way that happened is that the church in Birmingham came up with the idea of having a week-long uh, exhibit. They called it Christmas Hand in Hand. And what it was, it was a journey through the sights and sounds and smells of what Christmas means to many people. I, I, I wish I had pictures of it uh, because volunteers worked for hours to make this possible. Uh, they designed a model train room, which would be every little boy's dream. It was mine. I always hoped I'd get an electric train and never did. That there was a, a giant snowman who would talk to people. It was prearranged that if somebody needed attention when the group moved in there, he'd say, where's Harry? Harry, I hope you have a good Christmas. Uh, the other things, the puppet show, the 25,000 cookies that were there for decorating, uh, it was quite a tour. But the purpose of it was to arrive in the manger.
And it started as the groups were bussed in and waited in our sanctuary. They came from schools, churches, retirement homes. So it was everybody from little kids to people from a retirement home. And uh, they were met by the innkeeper who would welcome them and say, oh, you've come on a great day. We had some excitement here last night. Uh, a young man named Joseph and his wife Mary, they arrived in the, on their donkey and there wasn't room for them. I put them in the barn and she had a baby. And at the end of this tour, you're going to see the baby Jesus. Now we always had fresh live babies because around February of every year, I'd make an announcement to young couples in the congregation saying, remember when December comes, we're going to need a number of live baby Jesuses so we'd always have one. So they'd go through the whole tour, it took an hour, and finally they'd arrive at the manger. I think there wasn't much talk there because the very nature of the baby asleep in the mother's arms, that sort of kept things quiet. But before they left, uh, Joseph would say, now when you get your coats, you're going out into the courtyard and you're going to see our donkey. And I want you to tell the donkey that the baby's okay. Well, the courtyard was, uh, was my part of the thing. I had to put that together. I had a shack that was there uh, so that uh, Hosanna could get out of the rain. I had four or five sheep. I had some chickens and out they would come and I'd hold Hosanna and the kids would come running out and tell Hosanna that the baby was all right and I'd hold Hosanna there. Well, because of the fact that 12,000 people were coming to this event, uh, it was noticed by a large city newspaper, I think it was the, D the Detroit Free Press. Uh, and uh, we were told he was coming out to photograph the event and to photograph the donkey. Well, this was, this was big time. I'd never been, made it into a big time newspaper. I'd been photographed in a small country or a small city newspaper when I was a kid running track and cross country. But a big city like Detroit, this was, this was big time. So anyway, he came and as the children passed by, he took our picture as they petted uh, Hosanna's nose. About two days later, it came out in the newspaper, I think it was on the front page of the second section, and there were the children petting the nose of Hosanna. And it was a big event for him. The only thing is there wasn't much of me in the picture. In fact, all there was of me, you, Hosanna's head took up the whole photo, and there was me, and all you could see of me was my left hand holding the halter of Hosanna. I had become a very tiny part of a great event. But you know, I wonder if it isn't supposed to be that way all through life. The big thing is not getting your picture in the paper and not getting paid for something, but, but attaching yourself to something big, something that matters you're only a tiny part of it, but you've made yourself a part of something great.
something that's going to last. And you know, this is the time of year. We're past Thanksgiving now. And there are all kinds of ways in which you can attach yourself in a tiny way to something that really matters. You can think of people already. Uh, maybe they're in your neighborhood, maybe they're in your family, maybe they are at the place where you work. But you know, someone out there that you know, and you can be thinking of them right now, someone needs something tiny to make this an unforgettable Christmas season. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's a little gift. Maybe it's an anonymous gift. But you can make this Christmas for them uh, a Christmas that they will never forget. And you won't forget it because you will have been a tiny part of something very great. Indeed, a tiny part of the greatest story in the world. And you know what? You can do this without ever owning a donkey. So go do it. Pass on the love of Jesus in some way during this season. Make yourself a tiny part of the greatest story ever told. And God bless you as you do this.